Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. Before you guys enjoy the episode, I just want to make a little bit of a disclaimer. Throughout the episode, you might be hearing little beeping sounds throughout, and I didn't really want you guys to miss the opportunity to listen to this interview because there is technical difficulties with our guest for smoke detectors being replaced. So please don't mind that and please look forward to listening to the episode. You know, and I just want them to understand that dreamers are not objects, you know, that, that we cannot just be used for profit. We're humans too, and we work for our thing. It's not like they were just handed to us. Before you enjoy the episode, we ask that you please support this podcast by sharing it with your friends and family and let us know what you think by leaving us a review and what you want to hear more on the podcast. Our message is to amplify the voices of marginalized and diverse communities. Just remember, it is most impactful when diverse people share their own narrative. Welcome back to Amplify. I'm so excited today to have Emiliana Giardo here and she is a TikToker that we found while I was just scrolling through our For You page and we're so excited for her to be here today. Hi Emiliana, how are you doing? Hi, hello. I'm doing fine. Thank you. I hope you're doing fine as well. Yes, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have you here today. So can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? I know I kind of made a little disclaimer about you being on TikTok. Can you kind of touch on that maybe a little bit more of what you do on there and just a little bit more about yourself? Yes, I started TikTok about like a year ago and I just saw it as a way to amplify my voice and to spread awareness and educate people while also having fun with the app and and show a little bit about myself and most importantly the thing the things that I believe in and and how I also have fun and it's been a very learning experience because I didn't expect there's so many people to watch my video or relate to it like I thought that I was alone, especially with the topic of DACA, and I, I had no idea how many were feeling the same way as I was that I was feeling. And that's amazing. It seems like a lot of people kind of started their TikTok journeys. I feel like early last year and like like in tw- in late 2019, kind of when COVID started to pick up a little bit. So I'm glad that there's something that's good that came out of this whole year. F- for you and for you to be able to educate people about DACA. Yeah, um, it, it, it took me, to be honest, to be, to be honest with you, it took me about two years to build up this strength uh, to speak up because I was so afraid to kind of like step out of my shadow and step out of my comfort zone and actually speak up. Like I was very terrified uh, two years ago. And I had to put a lot of work in in order to be this strong and actually have the ability to speak up and, and express my my opinions, my thoughts, my feelings. And it wasn't an easy process, but I'm actually glad that I, I went through that process psychologically because 
it prepared me for what was coming in and everything. And I couldn't be more happy for the results. Yeah, that's so that's so amazing. And I feel like I resonate a lot with what you're saying, because girl, let me tell you, it took me a very long time to be to be able to openly express myself to have a podcast like this and to have a nonprofit that kind of preaches what you says about amplifying marginalized people's stories. And I'm so glad that I'm able to talk to you about this today, because it's very interesting to see your experience and how how long it took you to be able to kind of own up to your story and wanting to share it with other people as well. Yeah, because I felt like for so long, like there's been a narrative, but through politicians or through other people, besides the actual people that are experiencing it. And as I read those stories that had another narrative, I kind of like thought to myself so many, so many nights, I'm like, they need to know the actual narrative of the people that are experiencing things that they're talking about. Because, you know, like politicians, like they don't actually kind of like, take into account, you know, people that are actually um, living the experience. And I kind of wanted to shift that I wanted to amplify my voice and encourage others to do the same because it's like you get to actually see the truth and, and the reality of things when you actually take the narratives of those people. I literally preach this all the time. You're like pulling at my heartstrings. The one thing I always preach uh, is that you really need to tell the stories from the people that are actually experiencing it. I hate when, when any, it doesn't matter what the thing is, but when you're trying to do change for a certain community or group, and you're not even consulting that group to make those changes, or a person that's a part of those group are leading those changes. I just find it so odd that how do you know what those people need if you haven't even talked to them before? Yes, like I completely like agree with that idea. Like it's 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 eye opening as well. Like to see a lot of factors, and it's been a learning experience for me. Yes, for sure, it's been a big thing. You could tell I'm very passionate about this topic. I just think it's just so odd. Like I don't understand why, for example, like a group of white people are going to go to a black neighborhood and be like, "You need to make these changes." Like, like what are you to tell those people? those changes like they they, these are their lives they're living why aren't you consulting them why are you demanding them to do something certain it's just so odd to me I agree with you I just um I also didn't expect it also to have a lot of backlash as well like uh this video like when I posted it I want to make it clear like when I posted it my intention was not for it to go viral my intention was not like at all like to be reposted so many times or that was not my intention my attention was just the idea that I was kind of like letting go and expressing my emotions not feeling shame about it and embracing it like that 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 was you know my goal not not to go viral and a lot of people had that idea of me and you know a lot of hate came my way but like I told you like I I was I was working on it to be strong and I was able to handle that situation as well and if you know there's like controversy around something that means that you're kind of doing your job but I don't think most of the time like it's even hard for me to resonate that not everybody's going to agree with the type of work that you do and a lot of people are going to have backlash towards it but I think if you have controversy around it that means there's a conversation around it which which is good because people are actually talking about it more than they used to before you posted that video 
No, yeah, I completely agree with you because I'm like, wow, I actually made an impact. And um, like, I couldn't be more happier because it's like a lot of people did not know what DACA was. And I'm like, I'm very like glad that, you know, I was, I was able to teach them and, and you know, spread awareness and, and educate them about it. Like, I was happy for that result. Yeah, I really like that. So what did you want exactly people to learn about dreamers and DACA recipients from your video and from the type of content that you create? I just want them to know that, you know, like we're, we're humans too. Like it, it's this thing where, you know, when you go to college or when you kind of like see paper documents where they're like, oh, how do you describe yourself or your citizenship status? And then you put non-resident alien like that word kind of like straps away like our humanity. And that's why I want people to understand that dreamers are not aliens, like we're humans. And we don't just contribute to the economy, you know, like we contribute to society and different sectors. For example, the education field, we have many teachers or the medical field that right now we have a lot of nurses, doctors fighting COVID and the scientific field as well, you know, working for the vaccine and stuff like that. You know, and I just want them to understand that dreamers are not objects, you know, that, that we cannot just be used for profit. We're humans too, and we work for our thing. It's not like they were just handed to us, like, here, you know, take this opportunity, it's for you, and we just take it. Like, it's not like that, you know, like, we actually had to put in work for the things that we have achieved and we're not taking opportunities from others either like if you had worked as hard as well you probably would have got it and that's the concept you know like we dreamer DACA recipients we're humans and we are capable of working for the things that we have I I hate that excuse that uh, people say that they're they always find somebody to pinpoint for blame whether it's oh they're they're a DACA recipient or they're a dreamer, they're, they're a minority. And those are why they're getting those opportunities. And that's not the case at all. Like, I think people are more like they're trying to find somebody to blame rather than looking, internalizing and looking at themselves and seeing what they're actually doing. Because if they if they pursued certain opportunities, those things would have been open to them too. Yes, and I had a lot of people um, saying that, and I was like, because um, it was one of the things that caught me off guard was when people were saying that, and then I came to realize, I'm like, but why? Like, if say, because this lady was attacking me all over social media, saying that, you know, like, why was I given, like, this platform, or why was I advocating for DACA Dreamers if, you know, I was just a waste of space? And I was taking opportunities for other Americans. And that's where the thing I, I came out and I was like, it wasn't like that because if let's say your son or other Americans were working as hard as I was, then they could have also achieved the opportunity that I, I got. Like, it's not like, like I said before, like it, they didn't hand me the opportunities. Like I had to work for them. Yeah, that's so strange. I mean, like TikTok is such an accessible resource that people are able to go on there and share any type of content. And you saw that there is a lack of people educating about DACA. Um, and so you felt like you need to fill that gap and educate people. And if that woman felt like you were taking away waste space from other Americans, they should see what is something that I can contribute to the space that's lacking because they obviously don't have the experience you do. So I don't know why she cares so much. 
Yeah, but I didn't let it get to me because as I told her, I was like, I know where I come from and I know what I represent and, and I want to help my community. And, you know, that that's the goal, you know, like I just want to amplify their voices and, and make a change because that's what it's important right now. And the society, especially right now with COVID, a lot of things, yeah, it's, it's crazy right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully with the vaccine, it, it gets better and we're able to actually go out into communities and make change right now. We're kind of, kind of isolated to trying to make change mostly digitally. And so I'm so glad to have you on to be able to kind of share that narrative as best as we can. No. Yeah. And thank you so much for giving me this space. Like I really appreciate it. Let's go back to the Trump administration and presidency. I know we, we don't want to go back there in our minds, but let's go back there. When you first heard that Trump had an executive order to end DACA, what was going through your head? I, I was like, that was the end of the world for me. Like when I heard it, like I felt like that was the end. I felt like I was like, this is it. Like what, what, what do I have left? Like if, if it ends, like, all the sacrifice and everything that I have worked for, like it's it's not going to be worth it because I won't be able to enforce my career or help my community because all those benefits that I get, you know, social security, driver license, um, you know, I, I won't be able to offer those resources for my community or, or help them, you know, or enforce my career and help my family members. Like it was just devastating like that news was devastating for me like I spent so many nights crying about it just thinking like what am I gonna do because I've never you know like imagined myself back in my home country because I, I I don't know it like I love my home country but I haven't been there in so many years where I will be a stranger and this is my home now that that I built and you know, it'll be very strange. I was just devastated overall. I felt like the world was like coming down on me, that I was alone and there was no way out. I felt stuck. I was mentally unstable. Like uh, I went through a lot in that moment where the Trump administration wanted to end DACA and said a lot of bad things about, you know, the program. Like it was a devastating time and moment for me. And I honestly can't really imagine how that feels and feeling like your whole world is going to collapse around you. But I think like one thing that resonated with me as part of your story is like, you are not only thinking about, Oh, what happens if I'm sent, I'm sent back to my home country. Like what, like I'm trying to work for my future, not only for yourself, but you're for your family. I think that's a lot of things that other immigrants resonate with a lot of children of immigrants resonate because you're not only chasing your dream for yourself but you're also chasing it for your family and to give your family a life that they didn't have when they came to america no yeah and and it's like uh it's crazy out here especially in the workforce if you're a latina as well and your your color skin like is in like light skin like there's a lot of obstacles as well and and if we all come together and help each other out, you know, as a community, I feel like we're going to do great things. Yes, I'm very hopeful that good, good change is coming after the storm of what was 2020 and previous years. But I think what 2020 brought out was that there needs to be change. It, it recognized that, look, this world isn't perfect. And it, it made people recognize some of their own biases within themselves and people. I feel like change 
is coming hopefully no yeah i do feel it too i just like it was, it was a very like 2020 was a very emotional year especially um when we literally had to wait like a year for the supreme court to make that decision like it was a whole year that we literally had to wait and that year was full of like anxiety insecurities uh depression sadness like it, it that year was full of emotions the most like it was the hardest year of my life like i could tell you like just waiting for that victory and it, it was very like emotional yeah that's like it i feel like it would be because like you're you're trying to go on and live your life like you're going to school and i'm sure you're doing like so many other things and you're trying to like pursue all of those things but you don't know if if what the work you're putting is in is going to be worth anything after their decision yeah it, it's just it, what got me more emotional was the fact that you know it was like like they're dictating like my future and they're the ones who who are going to make that choice for me it, it, like it's crazy I felt very powerless because I was like I'm supposed to be the one that gets to define myself and that gets to dictate my path my future but it comes down to I'm not actually like in power like they get to do that they get to say what we can and what we cannot do. Like I was in that mental process throughout that whole year thinking about that decision that was coming. So there's something you can take control of. So like your TikTok and you educating about dreamers and DACA recipients. And so that's efforts that you're working on right now. Is there anything else you're working on besides TikTok or within TikTok? And why do you find that this type of work is important? Well, I feel like it's very important because, like I said before, the pandemic and since DACA right now, it's open again, like the full program to allow first time applicants. Like, I feel like right now, like my job is to inform everyone who is able to be part of the program to know all the resources that there's available, like organizations that if they have fundings, they can help you. Like it's a very tough year, year, especially for immigrants right now. Most of them are being laid off work and they don't have money to pay the fees that immigration asks you. And especially lawyers right now that they're charging like uh, like big amounts of money. Like I had people like say that they're charging him like a lot, like more than a thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, like check out this organization. Like they're, they're helping, you know, first time DACA recipients or other DACAs that want to renew their permit. I feel like it's essential to inform our community about those resources because um, we don't know if they're going to try to end DACA again. Well, they are doing it, but like if they're actually going to succeed in it. So it's better to tell everybody to apply, apply, you know, as fast as they can and as soon as they can with these available resources because like financially right now, I know most of our community is struggling and by me offering them or telling them like, oh, this organization is like very good. Like I'm, I'm able to help them and, and not make them feel alone because it's a very stressful process just applying or, or looking for the money. Like I've been through that and, you know, I just want to be that little, that little helper that tells them like, you're not alone. Like there's, there's other organizations that can help you. And I'm sure they really appreciate that help too. I feel like immigration in general is just so hard to navigate, but it's also super expensive. So does that make the process any easier to become a U.S. citizen for anyone? No, yes, I, I agree with you. And I feel like informing 
people, you know, like it's, it, it's what I'm doing right now because especially since the program reopened again and not a lot of people know, you know, and they feel alone. Like I had so many people contact me about similar questions that they had. And I was like, I'm very like glad to help everyone like answer the questions and, and help them out. Because when I was there, like I was very young and I had no idea what the program was about. Like my mom was the one that was doing the whole process. Cause I was like in high school when the program first was established and I had her support and it was, it was very stressful. The gathering documents, because you have to gather like evidence, hardcore evidence that demonstrates that you were here. And that's a very stressful part of the, of the process. Yeah, it's, it's very stressful. Um, I'm, I'm sure like even I've not personally experienced DACA, but with other immigration stuff, it's just the whole process is very, it's very draining and scary and you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm sure like those people, like I said, are very appreciative of what you're doing from that for them. And you're learning from your experience that you were helped by your mom. Now you can lend that hand to other people in your community as well. I know we kind of touched on um, how your life was impacted by Trump's executive order with DACA. Is there any other experiences you've had where like your status of citizenship or the lack of it has impacted maybe you getting jobs or other opportunities? Yeah. Um, when I was little, of course, I had no idea that I was an immigrant. Like uh, I was kind of like, I wasn't like educated as much. Like I had no idea until I got to high school and I wanted to work uh, like because uh, before when I was 10 years old, I would just work at my local supermarket carrying people's groceries for a few coins. That was my job for a while until I got to high school and I was like, I want to get a real job. But yeah, there were, I, especially in the malls, I went and I asked and I, they told me that they didn't want someone like me. And even when I got DACA, they kept rejecting me because they were like, we're not willing to work with a person that has a permit that will expire every two years, like every two years, you know, like we just don't kind of like hire immigrants kind of like pushing me away. And I had a lot of jobs turn me down because of my status and it made me feel bad because it was like they were not giving me the opportunity to show them like what I can contribute to the to the company. And that was a very devastating process because when while I was looking for a job without DACA, that's when I discovered that I wasn't having the same opportunities as my friends. And it, it was devastating to learn that because it kind of like shattered the whole world that I had when I was little. And I'm like, okay, this is the real world. I have to approach things differently now that, you know, I know that I'm an immigrant and it made me more conscious and want to know more about my studies and, and, and learn how to navigate life with it. And it was another learning experience for me. And I wouldn't change it for anything because it made me the person that I am today and, and, and be a hardworking person. Yeah. Oh my God. That seems like it just, that just seems so awful for employers to turn down people because of their citizenship status. Have you have a lot of people that you know that have DACA experienced similar things to you and, and how, how do people overcome that with receiving employment? Do they have to educate about it or how does that go about? Cause right now, are you, are you in university right now or you have graduated? No, I'm still an undergrad at UCI, the University of California, Irvine. I'm still an undergrad there. 
And is that something like you're fearful of after you graduate that like the questioning of your citizenship status and like future employment? Have you experienced that with like any internships or anything? No, yeah, that that's like the one concerning thing that I feel like most of us have because um, they keep attacking the program. And then we have employers, on the other hand, who's, um, you know, sometimes they're not willing to comply with you or they're not willing to help you or wait for you because we do have to renew our permit every two years. And sometimes the process can be long and our permit could expire during that time. And employers prefer to let us go than wait for us to renew our our permits and that's also devastating for the community because they love their careers and they love what they do but at the same time employers prefer to have an american who will not run into that issue with immigration that's just so difficult and i feel like just so disheartening i wish that there was a better process for that And I wish, is there not, there isn't any current pathways for people that have DACA to receive citizenship, is there? Not yet. Right now, there is the bill, the DREAM Act, um, that was introduced in the Senate, but there still needs to be legislation and a whole process behind it in order for DACA recipients to have a path to citizenship. But it's a process that we hope that it goes through all the way to the White House and the president signs it and and it and becomes something it's it's a process it's waiting the wait the waiting part it's what makes everything difficult because we are going to keep waiting as we've waited before yeah that's that's so difficult i'm really hoping that that passes through i mean i think a lot of americans are hoping it passes through but also it's the reality that you guys are just as american as anybody with a U.S. citizenship, you a lot of you guys have like grown up here, and this is all you've really known. Like you've said that you've spent most of your life here, or most of these years here, and you don't really haven't been to your home country in many years. So I think when they hear those types of stories, that that should resonate with people that like you're just as American as anyone else here, or even so much more, because you guys are contributing to that melting pot, pot of America. Yeah, and for example, like like sometimes like with grandparents, when I see my friends with their grandparents, I'm like, like I wish I I had the opportunity to have that close relationship with my grandparents. Like I haven't seen them for like 16 years since I left. Like I I don't know how they are. Like I do talk to them on the phone, you know, but like it's not the same. Like I literally like I wish I had that relationship with my grandparents, and I feel like that that's that's what breaks my heart at the same time, you know, not being able to see them. And right now they're older, not being able to take care of them. And then people have them so close. And it's like, you know, like, I kind of wish like I I had that close relationship with them. Family, it's like, sometimes, you know, to come here, you have to give up some things as well. Yeah, that's a reality for so many immigrants that like, when you leave your home countries that like, a lot of times, like I have very similar experiences to you where you don't see family members for years. I was actually lucky that within the past like seven years or so that our, we had two uncles and a grandma and our cousin and some of our cousins move near us, but we never lived near family for most of my, my childhood. And I would probably see them maybe every three years if I went overseas, but a lot of times like there's an aunt that I probably haven't seen in in 12 or 13 years um, and so many other family members that I haven't seen for years and 
it's so hard to see people that they get to see their family like all the time. And I wish I had that opportunity to be able to easily go see them. Yes, like you grow up like missing that, that, that affection, that, that communication with them and that close relationship. But I do hope that everything turns well with the bill, the Dream Act, and I'm able to go and hug them after 16 years. And I feel like hey, that would be the best thing that could ever happen to me. Just get to see them because they were very, they were very like so affectionate and so loving to me. That's all. Like the only thing that I remember very vividly from my home country is my grandparents' faces. Their faces was was stood with me until today. Like they were, they were my strength in order to adapt here to the U.S. when I was very little. Uh, that's just yeah that's so that's so beautiful like that sentiment that you shared about your grandparents and I'm hoping like there is really change for you guys soon I can't imagine like in order for you to to be able to like sustain your DACA you have to you can't travel outside the United States am I saying that correctly yes correctly we can't travel outside the United States I'm sure like sometimes you like you see people traveling to their families or even like traveling around the world and I'm sure that's an experience you wish to have one day too. No, yes. Like, especially now that I'm in college uh, before the pandemic, like I would hear some of my friends like, Oh, like we're going to take a trip like to TJ, like, and we're going to come back the same day back and forth, like traveling through the borderlines, like every single weekend. And I'm like, how does that feel? <laughs> like, you know, like I, I wonder that feeling that they get like going back and forth most like every week. And like me, you know, just being stuck in one place. Yeah, that's, that's, I can't imagine it, honestly, like, I really, like, I really hope you guys have changed soon, and there's just this whole, this whole concept is just mind-boggling to me, like, I wish there was a better pathway for, for people to get U.S. citizenship, I feel like it shouldn't be this hard, and it especially shouldn't be this hard for people that have been in the United States for so long. No, yes, I agree with you, and I feel like for so long, like, I felt like like I was like a victim of like, you know, like of the system and stuff like that. But now that I've seen everything, it's like we are the survivors, you know, like all of us, all dreamers and all DACA recipients, all immigrants, you know, like, you know, we're not we're not we're not these victims like they want us to be. But we're not We're we're survivors. We're more than that. We're able to be resilient and work with what we have and overcome our struggles and and embrace our unique stories that each of us have, you know, like, and move forward with our life and, and make the best out of it, you know, like, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, I, I, I'd like to see it that way. And, you know, like, yeah, I see it that way. So you said you got the courage to, um, like a couple years ago, when we were talking before, I don't know if we ever mentioned this within the interview, to advocate um for DACA and for for dreamers so is there any advice you would have to somebody that maybe is struggling with the same thing owning up to their identity to their citizenship status and like what would you what would you tell them that they could do to be an advocate for for dreamers and DACA I will first off tell them that to don't be pressured by social media um, because I feel like that has affected many people um, it doesn't matter like how many followers you have currently or or how many people you think that support you. Like don't take into that account. If you believe in something, I feel like 
you know, like say it and, and don't be afraid to explore the other side of your hesitations because it's like stages, you know, like first stage, like you open up and then the second stage is you spread awareness and like, and if you actually give it a shot, you're going to see yourself moving into these spaces and make an impact. It's better to risk it and try it than staying in stage one where nothing is happening and your thoughts like are consuming you from the inside. Like you'll feel better and you you will be able to relate with so many people out there. Like it's a scary process, like I won't lie, but just the impact that it can make and, and make people not feel alone, it's amazing. Like just go for it. it you don't need um, those followers. Like don't feel pressure about social media. Do it because you actually feel it in your heart and you, you want to help your community. I feel like that's the way to approach this. And, and it's going to be scary. I'm not going to lie, but it's an ongoing process where you're going to discover more and you're going to want to do it more. And, and the impact that you're going to make in your community is going to be great. And, you know, little by little, it's step by step, you will be not afraid anymore and, and just go for it and express what you actually feel and just go for it. Like you won't know unless you try. Yeah. Just little by little. It, it, I feel like it does take time to be able to be open and to be able to share your story. And I'm so glad that you came, you came on to share your story today. No, yeah. Thank you for giving me this, this space. Like um, at first when I was getting um, first interviews, when my video popped up, I was so nervous. And now with you, I'm like able to amplify my my voice more and 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 I feel like this, I like this podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I just like having a conversation with people and just sharing their stories. I don't want to take up too much of your guys' space because um, I'm sure people have heard snips of my story throughout all of these interviews that I've done before. So what do you feel like the future holds for you besides hopefully getting a U.S. citizenship and being able to travel and to go back home and see your family. What else do you, you want to do with your platform and just in general? Like me, what I want to do, it's especially for uh, actually help the DACA recipients. Um, most of it, especially um, like I opened recently, like my clothing business and I want to be able to make enough to donate to those organizations that help us, especially right now during the pandemic, uh, most of them run out of funds and I want to be able to contribute to that because all of us need help with our process and uh, also help um, women um, because my mother was a single a single woman. Um, I also like to help women and I want to focus on that. That's why I'm in this program at UCI that amplifies women's voices as well. I want to help them in the future, offer them a lot of resources and I also want to help my community with um, a lot of issues that they have that you know politicians don't see especially us that we live in the city of Compton you know they have this perspective that it's the ghetto we shouldn't keep it into account and whereas like it's not like that like there's people that they live here you know we also have to take into account that most of us need help, but they're not being helped. Like for example, homelessness right now in my community is increasing and a lot of people hate it, but in reality, it's like you have to stop and think about it that most of them like are mentally ill or have lost their home due to the pandemic. It's just like, I just, in the future, I just wanna help my community in all the ways that I can, um, regardless if they're women or male, like I just wanna 
help them because I know the struggles and I just want to help them with what I can. And that's just my future goal that I'm, hopefully I'm able to do that in the future and yeah. And educate people and uh, show them that it's better to spread kindness and hate. I love your life mission of wanting to contribute back to your community and just help out in any capacity that you can with any platform. I just, I think that's really beautiful and I love that. And it's something I feel like our stories somewhat align in what we want to do and how, how we kind of got to where we want to be, because that's very similar to what I want to do with my life. Um, I'm personally pursuing like the medical field and I'm hoping that I'm able to go overseas and provide medical services and to be able to have this nonprofit and platform and to be able to share stories like yours on here. No, yes, I completely agree with you. Like me and like a UCI, I'm studying psychology and, and I'm very passionate about it because, you know, the psychological, you know, like things that we have to go as immigrants do impact our life experience and the way that we see life. And, and I, I just want to help all of the community because it's a very like emotional process, just living with that and, and coping with it. It, it, you know, sometimes we cannot see strategies to cope with our situation and I want to help them. That's why I'm into that field as well with psychology at UCI because yeah, it's all about the community. So let's end off with, have you ever heard this statement or like the people tell you go back to where you came from? I don't know if you've experienced that before. Um, do you have like any personal experiences or thoughts that you want to dis- dispel or try to refute this type of mindset that some people hold? Oh, yes. Um, when I recently came and I knew a little bit of English when I was little, um, like I was bullied by the way that I talked or, or the color of my skin. And one of the things that I was told is to go back home. And even when I got older, I was told that by many people, especially when I went to live at, at Irvine, like I never told this to no one before, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, when they see this color, you know, Latina person into like Orange County, um, you don't expect that reaction. And it was devastating for me to live that. And then also on social media, after my video blew up, like I had a lot of people told me to go back to my country. Like it got to the point where after that blew up, I was like, uh, people, you know, I'm not this, you know, like take into account my narrative, like get to know me first before you judge me. And the reality to like when people tell you go back to where you come from, you know, it's like I am from the city of Compton, you know, that's my home. Um, and my home country is also my home, you know, and I feel like home is where you make it your home, you know, and what you work for. And that's why when they tell me that, I'm like, no, like, don't let it get to you. Because those, those, those people that are telling you that, they don't know you. They're not with you during your struggles or during your downs or during your up. Like, like don't, don't, don't give into that hate. Like, remember who you are and what you stand for like that that's what I tell myself like out loud when I have those encounters like I remind myself of what I am and what I had to live you know in order to be here and that's how I deal with this situation when people tell me go back to your home country and it's like I live in the city in Compton like you know like that's my home as well you know I have two homes and you know you make home with you know what you make it your home and uh, just remind yourself who you are what you stand for and what you represent when they tell you that because 
you know, that's what you need. You need to remind yourself in order for that, in order for you not to give in into that hate and that negativity that people are throwing at you without, without them like taking the chance to know you or to take into account your narrative. I have never, like, my thing is, I was going to ask you, so you live in California. So do you feel like, I feel like the Latino community is pretty big in California. Do you feel like you're, you're shielded from what some Latinos may experience in like lessly dense, like areas where Latinos are? Like, I'm personally from Indiana. So um, there's not a lot of people that look like me here. Um, so I don't know whether or not you feel like in a way because of where you grew up that you feel like the reactions less, or do you feel like it's just as more as anybody that lives anywhere in the United States? No, I feel like it's, uh, especially it, it's in both places because I experienced it in, um, Orange County, uh, where I go to college. And then I also experienced it, um, here in Compton, um, you know, because it's like in every race, there's going to, you know, your own people also are, you know, not going to agree with your own ideas. Uh, so it's like, you know, there's a little bit of that, you know, in, in your own culture sometimes. Um, but I feel like everybody experiences like it, 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 the environment has a lot to do with it. And but it also comes with the idea of like you don't know other people's like expectations or, or beliefs that they have about certain topics. And if you say it, like that's why at the same time it's also scary as well sometimes to open up because you don't know the other person's like intentions or reactions towards the topic that you're going to talk about. But yeah, I feel like you could experience like racism like or being told to go back home. I feel like anywhere, anywhere you go, like it can happen anywhere without you expecting it. Are there like those slight like microaggressions that people say? Like even people think when you're racist, you're like blatantly racist. But there's there's people that are nice, ra- what people call nice racist, or there are microaggressions, or there's even things that people do that they don't realize is offensive. Like for me, I've had experiences where people are like so where are you from? Like, where are you really from? So they're like alluding to the fact that I'm not American. So it makes me feel isolated. Like I grew up in America. I have, I have an American accent. I'm just as American as you. And when you say something like that, it makes me feel like I'm not from here, but I don't know anywhere else besides here. Like, like you, you don't know anywhere. You've been in America so long that this is, you consider this where, you know, your home. And when people allude to that fact, it kind of is a little bit, disheartening and kind of makes me sad a little bit and like another thing is when people try to relate to me by like pointing out an experience that they had with somebody that they think is from the same country or culture that I am um I'm personally Arab and a lot of people will think I'm Indian and they'll say I've had when I used to work in the hospital I would have a patient say oh I had this Indian doctor or one time I had a patient that said oh, my son is married to an Indian and here's me at their their mixed American Indian wedding. So it's just, I don't know if you've had experience like experiences like that too. No, yeah, I could, I could t- definitely like relate to you, like especially like um, when I, in college, because I, I played uh, rugby and I would get hurt a couple times and I had to go to the hospital over there and doctors would ask me like, um, are you like, what are you like Mexican, Latina, Hispanic? And like they'll question. And then, uh, and then like, 
um, it got to the point where like I literally had to take my coach in with me and she kind of was to the doctor like, oh, we're not going to answer that question. Like it's uh, it's very intimidating when they do question where you are and, and trying to put you into this category. Um, you know, like it's it's a very intense feeling. Like you, I I when I when I get that, I'm like, wow, like like I'm, I get nervous, and I'm like, what's gonna happen here? Like you know, like I don't I don't know what to expect in this situation. Well, it's like it's not only that because when they when they pinpoint your identity or how you look, that makes it seem like that's the only thing they see about you. Like they disregard everything about you, and they see your race first. Um, yeah. Or they see your culture first and they disregard anything else about you. So it makes you seem like you're somewhat invisible. Um, I've, like, I've even been confused before. Like I personally wear the headscarf. And so oftentimes I'm confused with other people that don't look remotely anything like me. And people are confusing me left and right. And I'm like, I'm an individual too. Like just because we're, we wear the headscarf or just because you're Latino or just because you're this doesn't mean you all are the same person. I acknowledge you guys as individual people. Why can't you, why can't you try to do the same? Yes, I totally agree with you. I feel like, uh, you know, like, you know, we have those um, stereotypes, people in their head and sometimes they, they might not be aware of it, but like they make it like very visible to us, you know, when they approach us. And I feel like that's uh, that's something that we all, especially us, like we have to go through life with, you know, like it's it's a very like interesting experience because it's like, well, like how did you, you know, like not even got the chance to know me, but you already have like this build up belief about my race and like not my abilities. Yes, for sure. Like, I'm sure you like they have like pre-assumptions about like Muslim women, like a lot of people think they're oppressed. They have pre-assumptions that those people, like we don't want to get educated. We don't want to be successful. We don't want to do certain things or assumptions that we're very quiet and reserved. And I feel like maybe you've experienced stereotypes where I'm personally, I go, like I went to a very white university and I'm, right now I'm in a graduate program and it's not very diverse at my graduate program. And so I, I stick out like a, a sore thumb. Um, and so I feel like sometimes you're isolated from experiences because people don't necessarily think they think something certain of you. So they don't include you. I don't know if that's if you've had similar experiences where because of the way you look, people exclude you from things automatically. No, yes, um, especially me at UCI. Um, there were some points where. I was like the only brown girl in the room. Like I felt very like all eyes were on me. Like literally, like I was like the only one there. And that made me feel like, wow, like why are these people like just looking at me? Like, like I'm just a human being, like I'm a person I'm here to learn. Like uh, I did encounter a lot, a lot of those situations um, in class, especially. And, you know, when we had to work in group works, like, you know, they had already their like little pods, you know, and like I was just like, oh, you know, like, uh, like ask help for the teacher, like, who do I partner up with? You know, like everybody seems to have like their own like crew. <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, you do get to experience it because, you know, like uh, there's not a lot of like people like me in my university. And I do get, you know, sometimes I do feel like I'm excluded sometimes. It's just, it's very overwhelming. It's not even like a lot of times I do. Uh, at times I feel excluded and, you know, times I am included with groups of people, but sometimes it's just the fact that it's very overwhelming to not see somebody that looks like you. It's just, it's, sometimes it's a comfort because you know that if you have somebody 
that maybe resonates with some of your experiences that you're not not necessarily alone. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being on. There's one last segment that we like to do with our guests before we kind of hop off of this podcast episode. We do a segment called Be an Ally. So generally with this segment, what we do is we kind of talk about something that you've maybe done this week or this month to educate yourself and to expand your knowledge about like a different culture or group of people that you want to share with our audience that maybe that they can implement into their routine this month or this year? Uh, yes, um, I've been um, learning a lot as well um, about the Black community. Um, like, I feel like educating ourselves on that and get to learn their story as well is very important. Um, not just because, you know, like they're part of the minority group, I feel like it's also important to get to know, you know, the struggles that they also have to live. Like, for example, like this week, um, in my class, like this um, article came up about that, that talks about consuming, you know, the black community's culture, you know, and, and it was a very eye opening um, segment because I was like, I, I you know, like I, I was new to this and I was like, it's it's interesting and very impactful to see, you know, the consumption of one's culture by another uh, race, you know, like, especially uh, I feel like uh, this week I learned a lot about the black community and I want to learn more about them and their history and um, what they have to go through in society as well. Yeah. Do you know the name of that article? I, it was by Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks. Okay. Just so people are able to find it if they want to read on it. But thank you so much again for being on. Is there any types of plugs or anything that you want to do for your social media so people can find your content? Uh, well, uh, TikTok, I have it. It's linked to my Instagram and my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, it's TikTok. My name is Emiliana Gallardo underscore 27, I believe. And for those of you that maybe are not able to pick up on the spelling, we'll have that in the description of the podcast as well. Yes, no, and like if they have any questions early uh, about DACA, uh, I'll do my best. And if I know the answer to that specific question, um, I'll definitely like answer. Like I'm not that type that is just gonna ignore your message. Uh, I actually try to get to them and, and I love to help people and talk to them. Like it's amazing to talk to you guys. Yeah, thank you so much again for being on. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure and thank you for inviting me and giving me this space. 